Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. And welcome to another bonus episode just for our Patreon subscribers. This is our thanks to you. And we're doing it by releasing these special episodes. A little bit shorter than our regular episodes, but but there's so many good topics to cover. And this is a way we can do it. So in the garage today, you got me. This is Eliza. Hey! Next up, we've got John Dalton. Hello. And on the Pretty Girl Couch, Miss Emma. Hey, and Gabba, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, Miss Emma, I know that, you know, we've often talked about cafe racers, and almost everybody knows about right. the, the origins of the cafe racers and the Ace Cafe in London. Right. But, you know, now we're, we're lucky to have somebody here who's old enough to remember seeing that all begin. Oh, yeah. You were there for that, right? Right. And, uh, it, the birth it, of coffee? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would just, you know, it's, are you going to build a cafe racer? Well, yes, but it, it's going to kind of look like a Denny's. And it probably won't go very fast because that's a cafe that raised well, no, whatever. No, so I wanted to get your perspective. Um, when did the birth of the Cafe Racer actually happen? You know, the birth of the Cafe Racer is inextricably linked with the birth of the rocker movement. They're the, right. very much around the same time. So you're talking for the very, very birth of it. 61, 62. Mm-hmm. 60, 61, 62 was when the, is the absolute, the, the, the crucible of when it all started. So, and I'm, I'm going to be polite and say, and this was a little before your time. Well, I was born in 62, darling. So yeah. if I was involved in Cafe Racer from the, from the start, it would have been in my pram. <laughs> <laughs> but you were still there over in England, near the epicenter, and I'm assuming that by the time that motorcycles were on your radar, that it was still very much a presence. Well, let me tell you right now that if you went down to a British pub, say in 78, 79, which is when I was out drinking a lot, you'd get the kids, and we all had the Japanese stuff, you know, I had my Kawasaki 250, you know, Suzuki, Honda, whatever. But tucked in the corner of the pub, and usually people kept a good distance from them because they were pretty badass, were the older guys. And they were in their 30s, some were in their 40s. They all had British bikes. The Triumphs, the BSAs, the Nortons outside. And those guys were the cafe racers and the rockers of the day. Because mm. so, if you think about it, I mean, it's, it's, the mid-60s was the absolute heyday. So all we've done is we've just put 12 years on it. So if you were 18, 19, 20 in the heyday, well, guess what? You're in your early 30s now, and you're way too young mm-hmm. to be sitting at home doing the dad thing and bloody kids, get off my lawn. So you're still going to be down the pub, but you're the older crowd. So I remember these guys very, very well. They were always really kind to me, and they because they knew that I had a love for the older British stuff even back then. 
Um, I, I've, I've always had a love and a reverence for British bikes because there's just something so unique about them. And cafe racers, you can slice it and dice it any way you want. You can say, well, the movement now is this, the movement now is that. Back then, it was young British working class guys on British bikes. That's it. That's the, you know the you you can't escape from that. So then, would you say to the purest, a true cafe racer has to be a British bike? Yes, absolutely. And I'll actually go even further than that because what people do now is they throw in the rocker culture to the cafe racer culture. A true cafe racer is not only a British bike. But it's a certain type of British bike. See, a lot of British engines back in the early 60s, they were all kind of on a par with power. Triumph, Norton, BSA, you know, they're all about the 45 horsepower mark, which doesn't sound a great deal now, but mm -hmm. back then it was a big deal. The handling characteristics of these bikes were wildly different. I mean, swing arm technology was still quite new, and telescopic fork technology was quite new. I mean, you're talking about something mm -hmm. that's less than 10 years old, and things didn't move quite so mm -hmm. quick. Nowadays, 10 years is a lifetime. But back then, you're talking about some cat sitting with a pencil and writing instruments, designing stuff. So did you see a lot of the old school cafe racer guys look at the Japanese bikes and be like, oh, wait, I don't have to deal with the problems that I had to deal with 10 years ago. Did they make a lot of cafe racers out of the Japanese no. bikes? Or was that considered sacrilege? Almost no, that's like absolute sacrilege. Okay. Absolute sacrilege. Kind of like and the Baragos were looked at as right, like, right, you right. don't do that with a cruiser. Oh, it's, it's a Harley before. or nothing kind of. I'm going to come to the Baragos when those came out. But... Um, in my opinion, a true mm -hmm. cafe racer is a Triumph engine in a Norton frame. It's a Triton. That is the true cafe racer. Best, best of both worlds. It's yeah. the best of mm -hmm. both worlds because Norton had this fantastic frame of all things called a feather bed. Mm -hmm. And it came in two types. It came in the slim line and the wide line. And the wide line frame was perfect fit for the triumph engine now norton had um the dommy dominators and then they became the atlases and the atlases came out in about 62 um but the massive vibration problem and sounds great lovely sounding engine but it didn't make the power that the triumph did especially with the triumph twin carb head so if you wanted to make big horsepower, you needed that Triumph engine. But if you wanted the handling, especially with those forks, you needed the Norton frame. And you haven't mentioned Vincent's. Were they not? No, much they were, I mean, the, Vincent's, I'm trying to think of an analogy for us misfits with the Vincent's. So here's one for you. And this will give you an idea of the, the, the impact Vincent's had. On an average day at the Misfits, we've got a selection of 20, 30-year-old Japanese machinery coming backwards and forwards, and we've got some exotics like Super Duke comes down. We've got a couple of Apriyas that come down. Mm -hmm. We've got... When a Bimota comes down, we're like, oh! <laughs> that's 
the Vincent. Vincent was an extremely expensive machine, even mm. back then. Vincent's, there was never a time when Vincent's were cheap. I would love to say, well, yeah, in the 70s, you could buy a Vincent for 500 quid or whatever. No, you couldn't. A V-twin Vincent from the day it rolled off the line in 1949 to March 18th, 2017, has always been an extremely expensive bike. And it was always an occasion when you saw one. So that's things like Vincent's. Um, and then you've got sidecar-only rigs like Panthers, BSA M20s, M21s. These were the big single cylinder bikes you know this is not a bike you'd normally do for cafe racing the exception there were the Velo sets and the Velos were very very finely engineered bikes the, traditionally the kind of guy who'd buy a Velo would be an engineer um, manager you know somebody not only with money because they were expensive but with a with the a concept of how well engineered this bike is and they were pretty quick the velos were pretty quick and w when was did, did the italians have a presence at all not really no okay. and not as you know it because nowadays we equate italian bikes with performance bikes right mm -hmm. up until 1974 7475 Italian bikes you know it was a, it was an ordinary bike just a small displacement just bike. a small displacement if if you saw if you saw a row of bikes outside any cafe in England in the 60s you'd see you know a lot of BSAs a lot of Triumphs maybe a Motoguzzi Lodola which is just an ordinary little you know it certainly wasn't something that you would aspire to now we've talked about racing at the Isle of Man before and I was talking about the MV Augustas that were going around in the 50s but remember that's a racing bike you can buy an MV Augusta for the street so yeah you, you Italian bikes it was all British bikes it's funny because here in America <clears throat> most of the cafe racers we know are the Japanese bikes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, I guess would you say that so the cafe racer, its origins were in England in the 60s. Right. But then it had a resurgence in the 70s here in America. Yeah, and it did in England as well. Um, okay. What was the... I'm, I'm curious what the original... Did it just kind of fizzle out in the 60s and then kind of... Re, like Because I'm wondering if performance engines just started dominating no. the market and then you it know just what, kind of fizzled I'll, out. I'll tell you exactly what killed off the culture mm. was Easy Rider. Oh wow. wow! It changed overnight. Okay, it literally changed the culture overnight. When you saw that film, it was like this is it, and it dovetailed in nicely with the time, because there was something very nineteen sixty nine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was something very early 60s about cafe racers. Right. It was kind of old-fashioned. If you think... Let's think about... So it's like going from sha-na-na into the who or something. Right. You know, if you think about the culture of the 1960s, you've got nine, up to 1965. 
And everything before 1965 is very prim and proper. The music's very, very structured. It's all done with a backbeat. Guys, sharp suits, skinny tie. Women, pencil skirts, heels, pearls, exactly how I dress now. It's a very, very preppy look. Now you think about the late 60s. You think about how the music developed. A lot more improvisational music, a lot more experimental music, a more progressive sound. Mm -hmm. The clothes, the hippie movements coming in. Now that, of course, started the in hair. San Francisco. The mm -hmm. hair grew. Mm -hmm. Remember, rockers, it's very, very short, very masculine haircut. And so now, suddenly being a rocker is kind of, you know, it's old-fashioned. You, you're a little bit behind the times. And then this film comes out. Mm. And it's like, oh my God. It changed everything. Absolutely changed everything. And that's well, what, what trips killed me out is I could see that in America. Okay, like, hey, let's get on a let's right, get right, on right. a couple of choppers and then just go let's just go and sell some blow. But in England it seems like such a small place. Like what are you gonna do? Go to Scotland for a day? The power you know, like, of the movie industry. The power mm -hmm. of the movie industry. Mm. You never, you never underestimate that. Right, right. It's you know, Easy Rider's not just selling motorcycling in America. It's selling mm -hmm. freedom. Right. And that was a very, very tempting pill to to take. It changed the movement completely. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I came in in the seventies. So in the sixties. The term biker wasn't really, you're a rocker. And uniform as a rocker, if you're a rocker, you had a British bike. You probably had Clubman bars on it, or what we used to call lace bars. You wore a black leather jacket. You had a silk scarf. You wore jeans. Black boots with white socks turned down over the top. An open face helmet and goggles. That was the uniform. And it was a very, very practical... It was actually a very practical uniform. It mm -hmm. wasn't that we were following fashion. You wore the boots because you needed to wear boots. You wore the socks because they kept your feet warm. Jeans were protective, as was the leather jacket. And the best kind of helmet to get, if you wanted to go fast... There were no full-face helmets, remember. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So was an open-face helmet with goggles. So guess what? That's how everyone looked. And you were a rocker. In the 70s, that term became biker. And bikers looked kind of different. A biker, long hair, because guess what? It's the 70s. Everyone wears long hair. Mm -hmm. You still had the leather jacket, but my, now it might have fringes on it. Because that's what um, um, the Billy Bike, look, you know, mm -hmm. looked like an Easy Rider. He had fringes. Um, you're still wearing jeans and boots, but the white socks are gone. Mm -hmm. Dirtier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now they become your originals. You know, these mm -hmm. are the jeans that you wear to work on your bike, mm -hmm. to ride your bike. Well, the bikes went from being performance to expression. Yeah, exactly. And the bikes were just as customized, but they were customized in a different way. So does that mean that in the 70s, when you were yeah. you know, coming into the scene, 
those rockers with those old British bikes, the, they were antiquated and everyone looked down on them? Quite the opposite. Mm. They were from a different time and they were still out there. Like I say, you know, when you went into a pub and those, those guys were in the corner, you gave them a lot of respect because, you know, we're, we're just starting out. We're the snot-nosed kids, mm-hmm. you know? And those guys, we know they've been riding for 15 years. So you actually gave them some reverence. There's a difference between saying somebody's kind of old-fashioned and not giving them respect. So, you know, we knew they were old-fashioned. And it was kind of okay. They were just, they were from a different time. So did it ever really go away? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, um... The looks changed, you know, the bikes changed, but I tell you what, there are guys now, if you go to the Ace Cafe, and we'll talk a little bit about the Ace Cafe, if you go down to the Ace Cafe, you'll see guys in their 60s pull in riding a Triton, and they've ridden it all their lives. Are the Japanese bikes accepted now? Yes, far more so now. Um, and, you know, I understand it. I, I Honda CBs have very much a place in the culture of biking certainly in the 70s and this is where the cultures kind of overlapped because a honda cb is a 1970s bike the only honda cb in the 60s really was the 450 which we call the black bomber in england Mm -hmm. and there weren't that many people doing cafe racer jobs on those because number one they didn't handle very well and secondly they were expensive um so that it's kind of been accepted okay honda cb twin if you want to make a cafe racer that's going to be a good start because it's a twin cylinder bike so the engine's got the look and they sound pretty good for what they are and they're not as expensive as a british bike if you want an entry-level british bike right now you need about 5,000 bucks. Yeah. They're getting expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody knows how to work on them because a Honda CB, you can sit down with a manual and you can rebuild a Honda CB engine. It's very, very straightforward. A Triumph or a Norton, you can't do that because this so... You've got to know those engines. You've got to know what works and what doesn't. Mm. You've got to feel... You actually feel how the parts are working together. Wow. And whether it'll work. It's it it's it's a far more visceral experience working on a on a British bike. And they are harder and a lot more finicky to work on, which is why the, the, the CBs have become so popular now as Cafe Racer bases. But I think what you're getting at is back in the day, back in the 60s, you would never see a Honda CB Cafe Racer. Mm-hmm. And you'd never see one in the 70s because we weren't Cafe Racering our bikes in the 70s. We were doing other stuff with them. So that was going to be my, my final question. Have you ever done a Cafe Race? A Cafe Race? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. And just to recap for people who may not know, explain exactly what a Cafe Race is. A Cafe Race is... You gather at, usually these were roadside truck stops, and they have jukebox. And so you put on your favorite song on the jukebox, and then there was a predetermined course that you would leave the truck stop on your bike, 
you'd go maybe mile and a half, two miles away, go round a roundabout, a lot of roundabouts in England, and back to the cafe. And the idea is that you have to complete that circuit before the song finishes. Now, songs are about three minutes long. Mm -hmm. And that, is that one person, or sometimes they would do two? No, it's a race. Okay. No, you maybe get five or six. That's awesome. Um, and that's that's where the term cafe racer comes from. See again, you know, it's a, it's high adventure. It's oh, got everything. I get it. It's got what happens is you get the more experimental music and the long Inagata de Vida, so the <laughs> <laughs> they, they had to get motorcycles that could last longer. Right, but <laughs> it's got everything. You know, it's got the rock and roll culture. Mm -hmm. It's got the biker culture. Mm -hmm. It's got high adventure because you're racing. It's very much of the time. You know? We should start doing that here at the Recycle Garage. We should put on a, a Spice Girls song, and you have to do a lap around the police station <laughs> and make it back without getting pulled over. That do you fun. really, really want? Yes, I really, really want. I want to. I want to. Yeah, so, but that's where the real term came from. Because these guys, you know, they were too young to be drinking in pubs. And besides, you don't want to go into pubs and get smashed and ride your bike. That was something that the bikers in the 70s did. So. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. You're Emma. very welcome. And again, to all of our Patreon subscribers, I hope you enjoyed this little mini Emma's History Hole. These are special recordings just for you. So stay tuned for more to come. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs>